Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to On Shomrabyog. Welcome back to the tiny room. Welcome back at this festive season for the last podcast of the year. I am festively the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. And I am joined by the man who sees you when you're sleeping. He sees when you're awake. He's a peeping Tom. It's Benjamin. How are you there, Nell? I'm watching you all, watching you all, watching you all. Uh, no, not really. Don't don't worry. Don't worry too much. Ben, your intonation and cadence there were quite similar to the podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. Were they really? Yeah, yeah. You were <laughs> you were like a bit character in Welcome to Night Vale, the podcast, the better podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. In fact, you should just go listen to that now. Just you know, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Go listen to Welcome to Night Vale. It's much better. Night Vale, very good. Not a great place to live, though. No, terrible. Full of dog parks. Do not enter the dog park. Do there, not enter say. the dog park or approach the hooded figures, Michael. Yeah, exactly. Benjamin. Yeah. You know, though, the one thing, the one thing we do have that is better than Night Vale. Go on. It's our bloody theme music. Oh, yeah, it sounds a little bit like this. <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. Very good, yes. It's not bad. Nitel has better theme music as well. But look, Benjamin, <laughs> if we're going to go around comparing things, we might as well compare the TV show... I've forgotten what it's called, Hellstrom. We might as well forget compare the TV show Hellstrom to other TV shows. I mean, we may as well, Michael. We may as well. So, Benjamin, as you know, Hellstrom was released as a 10-episode package on I, Hulu. I didn't know that, but okay. You did know that, Ben. We've talked about it before. You didn't. You choose not to remember. But Benjamin, um, it was released as a 10-episode package on Hulu, and it's the last hurrah of the old guard of Marvel television. Huzzah! And you know what, Ben? Go on. It was actually quite good, start as, to as, finish. As closers go, as you closers were happy. go, it didn't even have the Marvel logo, Ben. I don't even know if you could claim this is in the extended Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, might you get a second season, Michael? I don't think she will, Ben. I think that's the end of Marvel TV. It's a shame because I, I actually enjoyed it and I would watch a second season. Oh, but Benjamin, you never know; they might just show up in something else down the line because that seems to be what Marvel is doing now. Yeah, Kevin is like, Do you know what? I'll give cameos to the Netflix people. Go on. Everybody from Netflix, get in the get in the real ones. Get in the real ones. Welcome to the real MCU. Yeah. Um, Netflix people were making these TV shows and they're exactly what people thought the Netflix shows were going to be. Essentially slightly longer films yes. broken up into six parts. Yeah, exactly. And you can be in them if you want, if you're good, Charlie Cox. Be a good boy now, Charlie. Be a good boy, Charlie. Remember when you were in the film Stardust? Let's not have another repeat of that, eh? And then you'd be like, hey, Charlie, remember when you were in the film Stardust and you weren't blind in that? What's going on? I think one of these is not true. <laughs> well, where's the blind representation on film? I want to see a blind man doing those acrobatic stunts. A real uh, blind man. But Ben, I mean, you don't even get a real actor doing them. You get a stuntman. Not to say stuntmen aren't real actors. Oh, oh no, what have I said? I was trying to divert away. I was trying to divert away from you insulting the blind community, and I've accidentally insulted the stunt community. Very good, Michael. And of the two of them, the stunt community is more likely to come after you. Oh, they'll um, come after me, all right. And they'll do a flip. They'll do a flip <laughs> right over my front wall, Ben, and kick me in the head. They'll do a tightly choreographed flip and kick over a wall. That will never actually connect. <laughs> oh yeah, so I'll be fine. I'll be entirely fine. I'll exaggerate the hit. 
<laughs> land on a mat that's off screen oh very good job from all of us Michael yes, very good anyway, job anyway Hellstrom was quite good I really enjoyed it I thought the actors were good the story was yeah, a little bit generic but it was one of the only one of the those Marvel TV shows on Hulu and ABC and all of those that had a theme and a tone and a style oh that's good isn't it consistency yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. And it's a shame that it won't get to live up to its potential and will now disappear into obscurity. I'm sorry, Michael. So I I'm think, sorry. Ben, that Michael Benjamin's podcast should champion the cause of Hellstrom. Save Hellstrom? No, not save it. Just say, give it a look. It's grand. It's Hellstrom worth, season it's worth two. A watch. No, I will, I'm not even going to push for it, Ben, because I don't really like that. Uh, but I, I do think it's worth a watch and you should watch it if you have the opportunity. Hashtag KevCop on. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of 2020 television series Okay we can change it to Hashtag Cop on Kev That's if, better if Better You know we, we can make this work Michael if you just I like that Kevin Feige is Clearing house from the Jeff Loeb era Ben Because I I thought overall They were tonally a mess And You know they didn't really go anywhere They didn't link together very well Yeah it the Defenders was just a horrific shit show Michael But look The I mean, Defenders was not great yeah. Um no. I'd still like I'd like every single one of those actors to come back in future films in That'd smaller supporting good. roles. Yeah. That'll be good, Michael. Get, you know, get Daredevil and Spider Man three, Ben. Get him in there doing a, a trial and a flip. He'll do a flip. You do a do a flip for him. Do a, do a flip he'll do a kick in the head. That'd be good. That'd be good. Uh Luke Cage will be brought back for more stiff acting and righteousness. Yeah, yeah, righteousness. Remember, he was evil at the end, Ben. Oh yeah, and we'll never know what happened to Luke Cage. Yeah, he probably is good again. He's, he'll be grand. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll yeah, be we'll get Jessica fine. Jones back. Uh, yeah, which I'm actually all for. Jessica Jones, yeah. great character. Jessica Jones was great. Just get her in something with an ensemble, so she doesn't. Jessica Jones's problem is she doesn't have a compelling villain. That was the problem with season two and three. She she killed her compelling villain. I know, and that was great, and that's what should happen with creeps like him, Ben, watching people while they're sleeping and watching them while they're awake. Yeah, they should have. Look, look, what you're saying is co-hosts should be put in prison for that kind of activity, Michael, and punished severely. I know, I know what you're exactly, saying. Exactly, Benjamin. Benjamin, stop spinning your wheels. Let's talk about the Mandalorian. We've got a lot to get through. <laughs> Mando, uh, so the Mandalorian wrapped up this week, Michael. Um, this very Friday was the finale of that uh, particular season of The yes. Mandalorian. And, Michael, I think it's fair to say now, and I know you've had your issues with it because there's a lot of cameos and a lot of a lot of draws, but fair to say, solid L season all round. Uh, very good season, Ben. It is worryingly heading in the direction of what I didn't want it to be, personally I, speaking. Because, as you know, Ben, no great Star Wars fan am I. You're not. You're not at all. So I don't, I'm I'm not going to spoil the last one, but I don't really care about your named characters showing up and going, oh, look at me, I'm more important than Mando. I want to watch a show about Mando, Ben. Well, I think you'll still get your show about Mando, Michael, but now you're going to have an expanded Mando-verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's getting a show. Everything's getting a show. Um, I will say, Michael, that in uh, the penultimate episode there, starring Mr. Bill Burr, I think I got my favourite piece of... Star Wars kind of universe expansion. I think. Go on. Go on. I think on. that episode in live action. Now it wouldn't be fair to say that this hadn't been introduced in the in the animated series or anything like this. But Michael, for the first time ever in that conversation. Now spoilers for the penultimate episode of. Um, but not the ultimate. The not penultimate. the ultimate episode. The penultimate episode of season two of The Mandalorian, starring Mr. Bill Burr, um, and Gina Grano. And Gina Grano, but I mean, it's mostly, I mean, Bill Burr steals that show, Michael. That, that little cantina scene with the, with the Imperial officer. 
What's he doing in the cantina, Ben? I'm going to be honest, Michael. Bill Burr used to be in, uh, used to fight for the Empire. Bad old Bill Burr. He was a, a sharpshooter for the Empire, we find out in this one. That wasn't really explained in season one. He was just a bit of a cat. It was. No, it was, Ben. Oh, was it? Okay, never yeah. mind. Um, good old selective memory there from Benjamin. Good old, good. No, it's not called selective memory, Ben. It's just called forgetting. Selective memory from Benjamin. I like it because it gives <laughs> me more control. Um, no, no. Just good old forgetting. Nope. Nope. Selective memory. Anyway, um, thanks to my selective memory, uh, I forgot Somewhere that. between <laughs> twin peaks, Benjamin, of not paying attention and forgetting lies Benjamin Gullaby. That's pretty much my entire raison d'etre. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what I really enjoyed about it, Michael, was, um, first of all, it's the first time I've seen the Empire portrayed in any kind of human way, which I found very interesting. Aside from good old Finn. Um, yeah. In the in the first kind of reboot of or not reboot in the first installment of the new trilogy, and that fellow uh, who banged his head, remember? He was like, oh yeah, there was that. Fellow. Oh, I banged my head. Uh, yeah. So there was that guy. But this is the first time, Michael. We see that uh, Mando and old Billy Burr survive uh, a pirating while they're trying to infiltrate an imperial kind of mining facility. Um, and all the people have it's a it's a recreation of the scene from the original trilogy where Luke comes back from his his run and everybody's applauding and they're like, "Woo, you go, did it. go, you two blokes, yeah." Um, and we start to realize, Michael, hey. Maybe the Empire isn't all dickbags. Maybe it's just people trying to get by. Well, I mean, we never knew. It's been the eternal question of where are they getting all these shiny white plastic space Nazis? I know. Are they I people know. inside them or are they all uh, Timura Morrison? What's going on? And I mean, up until The Force Awakens, that was still a mystery to us, the je- the average fan. I seem to recall quite a number of racist articles, Michael, at the beginning of the new trilogy where people were like, stormtroopers can't be black. Oh, um, good. You can't beat racism. To which, to which a lot of people were like, yes, they fucking can. Nice <laughs> um, bit of racism there. <laughs> but anyway, um, my favorite bit of that episode, Michael, is the scene where Billy Burr kind of has a chat with his old commander. And you, I didn't know Bill Burr was capable of good, proper acting. But goodness, Michael. The actor Bill Burr. Yeah, there's a restraint. Yeah. He's not an actor. He's a comedian. And he only recently got into acting. But he's very good at it, Michael. Anyway, there was a there was a touch of of pure rage bubbling underneath him throughout that scene. It was great to watch it just unfold. But what I really like about Bill Burr's character, Michael, is he starts to introduce all these questions about the Star Wars universe that kind of fuck with the morality of good versus evil, which I no. thought was fascinating. He starts to do this kind of thing where he's like, "Look, we're all people. Don't yeah. don't go forgetting that. I mean, yeah, you've got your code, but when push comes to shove, I mean, what about you the know, force?" What about the what about the what about, like what, what about what those is, sanctimonious Jedi's? That's that's what I mean. He's one of those real average guys. He's like, look, I'm all for your big death defying empire crap here, but uh, I, I don't know. There's people just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make space ends meet. Yeah, and then like, there's lots of little kind of moral quandaries brought in there. You know, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. Like, it's pretty good, Michael. I think for the first time I saw a, a moral grey area enter the live-action Star Wars universe, and I was a yeah. fan. Well, let's hope, Ben, that... Well, I've got a feeling that they were trying to introduce a moral grey area in the for, the second one. What was that called? The Force Awakens. The, no, the second one. The one what? no one liked. Uh, the Force new... Awakens. The, the, the Last the Jedi. Second, no, that was the... In which installment? In which trilogy, Michael? The new trilogy, the second one. Force Awakens. No, that was the no, first one. crap. Last Jedi... No, yeah, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, something Sith. Wasn't no. It? 
No, the Skywalker. The last. Sky- doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Whatever second it was called. The second one of the new ones. The Ryan, whatchamacallit the, one. The, yeah, they that were trying like. to introduce a bit of mora- grey area morality in that. And then in the third one, they just went, ask her, forget about it. It was Darth Sidious. Whatever. And then, we, <laughs> yeah, Scrat, but then Dave Filioni said it, and Disney was like, "Oh yes, please." Mm. Oh, thank you, Dave. Delicious, Benjamin. Yeah, of course, that's not the only bad news in the world of the Mandalorian. Sadly not, Michael. Sadly not. Um, Jeremy Bullock passed away. He was the original kind of body actor for the man uh, for Boba Fett. Real, the- um, real bad year for Star Wars actors. Yeah, they're not doing so well. Um, I, if I was Mark Hamill, I'd be shitting myself. Um, but yeah, oh, that's that's your incontinence, though, Ben. It it does perhaps because selective ben, continence. I'll have selective. you know. <laughs> Sometimes you just forget not to shit, um, Benjamin. This is what happens when you make a film in the late eighties and the people working at it are in their are in their forties. Then when, when you get Ugh. to 40, 40 odd years later, then everyone's in their 80s and they start dying. It is sad, though. And, you know, he, he apparently was a lovely guy. But, you know, Ben, a good innings. Good. Well, he was only 75, Michael. Is that, does that Oh, an average innings. An average, average innings. Average innings, I think. Uh, but fair to say, probably an icon of the uh, of the Star Wars universe. You know, Boba Fett being one of the most liked things. Um, there was a nice little fan theory to accompany it, um, Michael. Um so in the original Star Wars trilogy, Darth Vader hires Boba Fett and he kind of keeps him around as a bit of a right hand man. Yeah. Um, and then having seen the uh, Clone Wars animated series, Anakin Skywalker has a very good friend in the form of one of the clones called Rex. And uh, one fan said, do you think that Darth Vader kind of kept Boba Fett around because he had Rex's voice? And I was like, oh, that's mm, sad. That's sad. That is sad. Probably not because he was a very hateful being and probably didn't really have much room for yeah, sentiment. Yeah, he killed a lot of kids, remember? He did kill a lot of kids. Michael. He was like, a I'm kill lot kids. of kids. I'm going to kill them all. Look at every last one of them. This guy with the bowl haircut. Daxalian fella. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, Ben. Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of things that have suffered in 2020. Me? The cinema industry, Ben, is not doing oh, right. so great. Okay, yeah. I thought we were going to talk ben, about it. Benjamin, it is, as we're recording this, it's the 20th of December 2020. It is. Ha- have you been to see Wonder Woman 1984 yet? Uh, yeah, I think you know I haven't, Michael. You haven't, Ben. You haven't. It is out in cinemas here, Ben, believe it or not. What cinemas, Michael? Exactly. Uh, View is open. What? Yeah, View in, in Liffey Valley. The, the View chain is open. So you could go see it if you wanted. Uh, no, thanks. You don't have to. I think it's on in the Stella, Ben, in Rathmines. Oh, get out of here, Stella. A lovely yeah. cinema all the same, Michael. It is a lovely cinema. This episode isn't sponsored by the cinema, by the way. And, yeah, uh, Cine World is closed, obviously, because they're still having their James Bond strop. Yeah, their tantrum. And uh, our local one in our local cinematorium shut down in April, I think. Yeah, that was the end of the IM, IMU, is that what it was? Uh, International Monetary Union. Uh, no, uh, Impossible no, sorry, Mission it was, Union. It was the IMF, uh, the International Monetary, Monetary Front. Front. Yeah, yeah. That's Benjamin. Yeah. Anyway, look, a lot of what's happening that's bad in the world of cinema is because the year's big tentpole. Pole, tentpole. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> the year's big tentpole. <laughs> I've got a big tentpole. The water oh. keeps seeping in. Benjamin, the year's big tentpole release that was supposed to prop up the whole movie and cinema industry didn't do that great. It was the film Tenet. Ben, I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, I have heard of it, Michael, but uh, I have no interest in seeing it. It never really landed with me, Michael, apart from possibly my best joke of 2020. Your best joke of 2020, Ben, when you said 10A as the number of the apartment where director Christopher Nolan lived. It was one of your best jokes. Mm. Benjamin, 
it's it's a film from director Christopher Nolan. And Benjamin, I tell you what, it's now on streaming so everyone can see it. So now we can review it. I don't know if anybody cares, Michael, do they? I don't know, but I'm going to review it anyway because cool. I'll tell you what I did, Ben. I sat down on a Saturday night, Benjamin. Yes. I went to YouTube, Ben. Okay. I paid my 20 euro dollars and 9 euro dollar cents. That's a lot. Not, yeah, 20.99. That's a lot. Is it? To me it is for a for a br- for a brand new cinema release. Michael, this is this is where it gets me, right? Like I'm All right, just, just on, a quick little side note here, right? I understand when a cinema ticket costs that much cuz you've got overhead, right? You've got yeah. staff, you've got yeah. electricity, you've got projection. Yeah. You've got, yeah. you know, you've got your stuff that you have to deal with. That's all been taken away, Insurance, Ben. Insurance. Insurance. Bloody keeping the lights on, keeping the popcorn popped. Um, yeah. You know, well, the popcorn should pay for itself, Ben. They've put all the Starburst in the packets themselves and sealed them up yeah. and put them on the shelves. And they've they've gone and captured the dogs and turned them into hot ones and sold them to people. You know, there's a lot of overhead to be covered in a cinema. That's not the case when I watch it at home on my computer. Well, here we go, Benjamin. You know as well as I do, Ben, that I've worked briefly in the cinema industry. You have. Um, You know as well as anyone, Ben, that cinemas don't make their money from showing films. Uh, I probably don't, Michael, but go on and tell me anyway. They the Cinemas make a tiny fraction of money on on the uh, the showing of films. Really, it's concessions that make cinemas worth running. Get out of town. That's how they work, Ben. That's how they do their money. Gas. But you know what? One of the best things, the best things in cinemas, Ben, is is Coke and Pepsi. Yeah, it is a good combo. No, no. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm saying that they lure you in with a cinema ticket. Yes. But almost all of that cinema ticket money just goes to paying the overheads and paying the studio. Feck's sake. And the cinema makes their money, Ben, by selling you very expensive but very cheap to produce Coca-Cola. So really, it's not a 007 tantrum, it's a popcorn tantrum. Yeah, it's that they don't have something to show to get people in to buy their popcorn and Coke. I see. And spend their money and uh, pay their membership. If they can get you to join a membership, they're flying, Ben. Oh, they've got you then. Benjamin, you remember when you had a view, a Cineworld card and it was €17 Euro a month and you could see as many films as you wanted? Yeah, that was great. Because they don't care about how much the film costs, Ben. That's true, Michael. That makes an awful lot more sense now. Exactly, Ben. Um, and Ben, they usually have a deal with Coca Cola, so they pay essentially nothing for having for selling the Coke. That's interesting, Michael. Why? Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Nothing. Coke is happy to have Coke in the cinema, Ben, in exchange for advertising. Yeah, it's a lot of advertising. It's a lot of advertising, Ben. If you remember the the. Pre-movie screening is often sponsored by Coke. It is. It says, don't forget, there's time to go and have a Coke before you... And a piss, but mostly a Coke before the film... Have a piss as well. But the film's going to start soon, you should probably have a Coke. Then Mark Strong comes on and ASMRs you for a couple of seconds. Yeah, he's like, hello, I'm Mark Strong from Scotland. Have you had a Coke and a piss? (laughs) Off you pop, and then come back. Off you pop, have a piss, and come back (laughs) and enjoy the film with a fresh Coke. That's what Mark's talking about. Anyway, Ben, I've seen Tanet. I had a Coke, Ben. I got a Coke. Mark Strong's here. I got a Coke in front of me. I put some popcorn on. I had some nachos, Ben, and I watched the film Tanet, Ben. And I tell you what, Ben, it was great. Was it? It was a fantastic film. Was it the excitement, Ben, of having a blockbuster release? On my, I, I bought a TV this year, Ben, and it's reasonably large, and I've never had a TV before, really. 
So it was quite exciting just seeing it on a big screen. That must be nice. And I was at home, Ben. The cats were getting in the way every now and then. uh, John Tanette. We never find out his name, Ben. So we're going to call him John Tanette. Jonathan Tanette. In the history, in the tradition of the podcast. Um, So, yeah, it's great. It's a great film. It's a really, it's a decent spy action adventure film. That sounds good. With a really interesting twist of having all the timey-wimey stuff. What's the what's so, uh, Michael? I suppose you can't spoil it really. I'll spoil it a little bit, Ben, because yeah, go it's on. Been out a little bit of the timey wimey stuff. Because so like the timey wimey stuff is Ben. There's a terrorist. Oh no! And this terrorist is an arms dealer, and he's a terrorist, and he has okay. somehow found a way to reverse entropy on certain things. Oh right, okay. And when you reverse entropy on certain things, Ben, they travel backwards through normal time. Is that real physics? Kind of. Not okay. really. It's, okay. it, it makes some degree of sense, but it's explained okay. in one sentence. And then they say, look, don't try and figure it out, which is fair enough, because it wouldn't work in real life, obviously. Okay. But, Benjamin, as we go on, we find more and more things that have had this thing happen to them. So the first 45 minutes of the film, we see one backwards thing. A single bullet go backwards. Oh. And then we see a few more bullets, a demonstration, go backwards. Oh. And then we have an action scene, and it's pretty much a normal action scene until a backwards man appears. And you're like, holy moly, there's a backwards man. This man's going backwards through time, and they're trying to have a fight with him. And it's one of the weirdest, most awkward fights you've ever seen. Interesting. Yeah. And then, Ben, you go through the next kind of 40 minutes or so, through every action scene, and you're sitting there going... Oh, this is a good action scene. Very Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Probably oh, you, Chris. Probably practical effects. Probably no special effects here. But I bet you something backwards is going to happen in a few minutes. And then? And then something backwards happens. <laughs> and it's cool. This doesn't make any sense. But, Ben, the movie hits a turning point around the middle. Okay. Where we come across the machine that's doing the backwards thing. Okay. And then when when we hit the machine that's doing the backwards thing, and this is a bit of a spoiler, Ben, so you're going to have to cover your ears. Oh, no. Cover your ears a little bit for the spoiler. Okay. Come on, you can just give it to me. I'm not going to watch the film. When we see, when they go through the backwards thing machine, Ben, we see a good chunk of the stuff we've seen from the perspective of the backwards way. What? And it makes sense in the other direction. Look at that. Nom, 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 delicious. That's very you, Michael. Very up your street. It was right up my alley, Ben. It came in right through my tent hole yeah. and straight up my alley. And it was absolutely oh, just absolutely delightful. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm enjoying this thoroughly. Your favourite is in it, Ben, Robert Pattinson. Oh, Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson plays the director, Christopher Nolan. Oh, very good. He's yeah. Chris. Yeah, he's, he, plays boy. Chris, he plays Chris, essentially. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki is in it, Ben. She's very tall. Who's Elizabeth Debicki, man? You might know her from being very tall. Okay. I'll, she, I'll assume as much. No, she was in your favourite film from the last decade, Ben. The Man from Uncle. Oh, yes, I'm a big fan of The Man from Uncle. Oh, Elizabeth Debicki, tall Italian lady. Yes, yeah, she's good. She's not Italian, though. She's Australian. No, she was, she's not. But she is in The Man from Uncle. She was also in, Ben, Guardians of the Galaxy, where she played the very tall lady. Oh, yeah, she made Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That was her. That was her. She does a tall, regal, elegant, almost alien very well. That's her kind of. That's her vibe. Yeah, that's, that's her, her vibe. niche. Yeah, she would, Michael, embody the very uh, feature the, or the very term that you coined on this podcast: giraffe sexy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like if Gwendolyn Christie couldn't beat you up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So, Michael, it, today is a is a ten a eh, for you. No, it's not a ten. It is a slightly overly long. Okay, and, so it's a nine a. And the the protagonist, John Tenet, is yes. a bit of a blank slate, to be honest. And I suppose that's on purpose. Again, he's just kind of on. He's he's great at everything. He has no flaws. He's. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are some scenes which are literally just exposition. Oh, Michael. Your favourite actor and mine, Ben, Michael Caine is in it. Oh, God. And he's in it for a single scene of exposition and that's it. Oh, God. So, you know, it's not it's not a perfect film by any stretch of imagination, but it's great. Benjamin. Yeah. One of the things that other reviewers have complained about is that the audio is a little bit hard to hear and that makes the already okay. slightly complex plot hard to follow. Is that just because they forgot to switch their hearing aids on because film critics are essentially an outdated notion that have been replaced by YouTubers who make giant channels about it and more content than they could ever hope to? Do you feel the fact that it's the Christopher Nolan film and Christopher Nolan loves <laughs> to have people explaining complex dialogue through masks? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so everyone's wearing masks all the time and they're talking about if we go back through the time style then we're going to be able to get there just before this event happened in the regular flow of time. Okay. What the hell did he just say? So Benjamin, the great thing about watching it at home is I watch it on YouTube with closed captions on. Right. And then I could understand everything and it was all totally clear and perfect. Closed captions, magic. Closed Such captions a thing in great. the modern world. The best thing though, Ben, about what? the closed captions was, uh, you know, the closed captions don't just tell you what people are saying. They tell you when there's a noise. Okay. So like silenced gunfire goes off. And door okay. thuds closed and seagulls caw. And occasionally, yeah, and occasionally when they're in a public place, you'll get indistinct chatter. Oh, I love indistinct chatter. Exactly, Ben. If we were ever going to make a, a pop culture podcast about movies, Michael, specifically looking at like things that don't often get a lot of focus, we should call it indistinct chatter. That's what we should call it. So, yeah, Ben, indistinct chatter is very important. But in this, Ben, on the closed captions, when everything's happening in reverse, it says indistinct chatter in reverse. Oh, look what they did. It's the absolute highlight. That would have made your day, Michael. You love a little it did, bit. It did. It did make my day, Ben. That and people running backwards awkwardly were the two my two favourite things about it. Look at you. Look at you. But, Benjamin, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's not... Labyrinthine, labyrinthine in its uh, labyrinthian. It's not overly complicated. I don't feel labyrinthine, um, labyrinthine. And I'm not trying to be smug about it, Ben, because I'll throw my hands up in the air and say I still haven't the faintest fucking notion what happens in Primer. Yeah, I think but this I, you is. Know, I think yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. I think lots this is this is pretty clear. It's pretty clear and pretty straightforward. And they do things like uh, they use color grading, Ben, to tell you if you're in the forward or reverse universe. Yeah, it's Nolan sci-fi, good consumable yeah. sci-fi, without too much of the heady theoretical stuff to get in the way. Yeah, and Michael Caine explains it to you. Yeah, and then you have Michael Caine sit there and tell you that entropy is a pain in the ass. He doesn't actually. It's a uh, posy, posy, posy. Uh, her from out of uh, Harry Potter, Ben. Her from out of Harry Potter. Fleur Delacour. She tells you. Oh, she good, explains it. Good, to you. good, 
good. Ten out of ten would watch. Yeah, you remember her also, Ben, from being in in Bruges. Ten a, ten a would watch. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'd give it a 7, Ben. I know we don't do a system here, but I'd give it 7 Mickeys out of 10. Okay, 7A then. Um, do you have an ensuite bathroom in your in your, in your your bedroom? I do, there? yeah. Oh, you posh bastard. I do, yeah. Um, You're so posh. Have you never seen, have you never noticed that I have two doors? No, I don't really pay that much attention. I, I would be a terrible Christopher Nolan screenwriter. I don't know if you would. Well, very often there's where, quite a large plot hole in some Christopher Nolan things. Oh, very good. You know, so I wouldn't beat yourself up too much, Michael. Anyway, where are we going with this, Ben? Where we're going with this, Michael, is tis the season, Michael. Of? Of, yeah. of giving and, and love and and none of that this year because you can't be giving your love to anyone. Cause bloody one, one other household, Ben. Is there only one household, is it? I think it might be two. I don't is know. It? What are we, a public service broadcast? Pro- pro- <laughs> I bloody hope not because we've been doing a terrible job so far if we are. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. My- we told people not to listen there at the start. <laughs> we told them to go and listen to Welcome to Night Vale because it's better. We made it very clear, Michael. Night Vale is the yeah. better podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, well considerably. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. Yes, go on. Michael, tis the season. But since it's going to be a bloody grim season, I've decided to have a bloody grim Christmas topic, Michael. Oh, what is it? We're going to be taking a look at how Santa's a bit of a prick. Oh, is he? Uh, well, no, we're going, we're, we're, we're going to take a look at the modern convention, Michael, of making Santa into a bit of a prick. Oh, I see. Um, That's a bit of a twist. Yeah, for some reason, Michael, over the years, um, we've seen some, some very different representations of Santa emerge. Some very modern takes uh, on our okay, on yeah. Chris Kringle and uh, sometimes Michael they're successful sometimes they come off without a hitch and sometimes you're left there scratching your head going why why did you have to piss on such a happy childhood thing why why did you have yeah. to do that why would you do that or Kelly why were you mean why were yeah. you mean with it um, so Michael that's what we're going to do okay let's do it then yeah, it's pretty, but pretty Benjamin mm-hmm. I've just come off my bloody spaceship yeah Michael I've just off my spaceship from the planet Under a Rock, Ben. I've been living on Under a Rock for, for quite a long time That's at this stage. very good, Michael. Thank you. It's a science fiction twist on the old saying. Would we spell Under a Rock with an A-R-A-K at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh. it, it's just a coincidence that it sounds like the expression living under a rock. Excellent. And, Benjamin, I've no idea who this Santa Claus fella is, so why don't you, Ben, tell me, who even is Santa Claus? So, Michael, I went around and I had a look here now at the, what this whole Santa Claus thing is. In, the, in a modern context, Michael, and by modern context I'm playing very loosely with the term, from around the Victorian period onward. Ah, oh, the early modern period. The early modern period, Michael. The old, the old Santa Claus became a, a figure of, of mythic and jovial proportion and he would travel around the world in but a single evening, Michael, one Christmas Eve, yeah. and he would deliver mm-hmm. gifts to all the boys and the girls. The Christian boys and girls. The Christian boys and girls, Michael, very good, because he's a very Western-centric uh, figure. But, mm-hmm. Michael, that wasn't yes. always the case. So I had to go digging into this concept, Oh, you did a Michael. deep dive. I, I did a deep dive, and... I'm sure many people already know this, but for people who might not know, Michael, he's based on St. Nicholas. Um, And St. Nicholas uh, gets bloody interesting. So we had St. Nicholas and we have St. Nicholas's Day, which is the feast day is the 19th of December. So not quite the one that we're familiar with. That's yesterday, Ben. Yesterday, Michael. um, Would have been more apt to do today. But look, what are we going to do? Change hundreds of years of Christian tradition just for our podcast? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So St. Nicholas is the original it's based on. And then 
that his kind of legend spread through Dutch colonies, Michael, and he became known as Sinterklaas, and that became Santa Claus as we kind of anglicised things moving forward. But, Michael, I had to dig into St. Nicholas, and good fuck, what a yes. strange saint. Go on, what did he do? So mad shit. He's, he's commonly known as St. Nick the Miracle Maker. Right. Right. Um, he was born under the Byzantine Empire. Okay. Okay. And the Eastern Roman Empire. Babe. The Eastern Roman Empire, Michael, in around the third century, um, give or take. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, was he real, Ben, or was he made up like Saint Patrick? Apparently, he's real, Michael. But all the stories are almost definitely made up, Michael. Okay. As a, as a secular podcast, you and I um, would probably find it a little difficult to to get into some of the tales that were told. So let's let's go through some of them, Michael. Right. It's not hard to see why he became such a popular figure within uh, for children and kind of a, a saint of, of childhood because um, some of his stories are are heavily based around saving the Chiddlers from oh, horrific good. fates. From, from Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, exactly, from Anakin Skywalker. So he has a lovely kind of jolly green and red lightsaber that he uses to fight off Anakin and save the kids. Very good. And then Very they decided good. to immortalise him uh, and canonise him within the Christian faith. Mm. He also, Michael, when he wasn't doing that, um, he one of the tales is where he saved three young girls from prostitution. Okay, good. Just three. He left the rest. Um, like Denzel Washington in the film The Equalizer. Yeah, I suppose. It, it, he has a touch of the Denzels about him. Okay, touch, good. Touch of the Denzels. Um, so there is that kind of Mandalorian Equalizer-esque quality of St. Nick swaggers <laughs> into town and kind of begrudgingly does a deed. Oh, good, um, I like this. You know, to, to save the lads. So in another one, Michael, he has an owl argument with the sea to calm it from swallowing a town. Okay. Um, Seems difficult. It does, doesn't it? Um, in another one, Michael, um, he slaps a heretic in a, a village square and it converts him. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah, you, you have, but it's mostly out of fear that you convert people. I think the Lord yeah, genuinely yeah, yeah. intervenes. In, oh, in okay. this tale in this case um, right. there are, are three little soldiers Michael who have been wrongly accused and good old Saint Nick swaggers into town and he's like hey 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 they're innocent and everyone's like okay cool Grant oh sweet glad we got that sorted glad we got that sorted but then Michael then Michael num yeah. num 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 comes yes. the tale that will keep me awake for years to come so oh go on Michael times in the third century aren't great Okay. What's going on? Food scarcity is a problem. Yeah. Nutritious, good, wholesome meals are a problem. Healthy livestock tends to be a problem if you can keep them long enough before the bloody barbarians swing on in. You know, it's it's tough times to be alive. So if you're a butcher, Michael. The vandals, Ben. The vandals. Goddamn vandals, Michael. The goths. All that graffiti. And goths yeah. playing their bloody Robert Smith on the radio. Yeah, oh, it's just terrible. hanging around the central bank, hanging around the central bank on their on their skateboards. Terrible. The Vizzy Goths, Ben, the ones that wear high vis jackets while they're yeah, on yeah, their skateboards, yeah, exactly. Michael. Very good. As opposed to the Invisi Goths, which are just a pain in the arse, and you can only spot them by their deep yearning size. Um, <laughs> yeah. Very good. Take so. that, Goths. We got you. We took Goths down a notch, Ben. I think there are one or two Goths that listen, so... Yeah, well, we took them down a notch. (laughs) Sorry, lads. Anyway, uh, if you're a butcher at this time, Michael, that might make things a little bit hard to, um, to, you know, 
find a good quality meat source for right. for your business. Um, right, right, right. And if you were, say, morally flexible or some would say amoral, you might go into the streets, find three orphan children that wander the streets and chop them up and brine them to be sold as treats. Give them the old Sweeney Todd. Yeah, give them the old Sweeney Todd, Michael. Give them the old Sweeney Todd. Um, Now, you might be unlucky and you might have your wares set up and you might be shouting, oh, fresh meat here. And when people say, what kind of meat is it? It's never you fucking mind. Do you want one or not? Yeah, Um, I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not children anyway. I tell you, no, that's not suspicious. Um, Anyway, he tries this on all St. Nick and St. Nick is like, it's weird that you said that it wasn't children. And the butcher is like... Very specifically. No, it's not. It's not weird that I said that. And he goes, yeah, it is kind of weird that you said that. So anyway, he reaches up there to the Lord and he says, here, come here to me, Lord. Yeah. What's this all about? You trust this guy? You trust this guy? And God is like, I bloody fucking wouldn't. Um, I'll tell you what, St. Nicholas, that's children. (laughs) That's bloody kids. So uh, St. Nick gives uh, the fingers now click, Michael. And uh, the children are reconstituted from the brine and put back together. Well, I tell you what, Ben, that's an utterly horrifying image. (laughs) Isn't it? I wouldn't want to see that. I would not like to witness that event. The children are reconstituted from the snacks. What if somebody already bought one? Did it come out? (laughs) Isn't that the stuff of fucking nightmares, Michael? Absolutely terrifying, Ben. (laughs) So, that's St. Nick, as we understand it, Michael. You'll notice there's not a lot about fucking gifts. Benjamin, but doesn't Santa Claus combine aspects of Father Christmas as well? Wasn't he a different character? Yeah, so he's a Nordic kind of myth that got meshed together. So this is where uh, Poland comes in. Oh, classic Poland. Yeah, the Witcher. Eastern Europe in general kind of comes in. And they have St. Nicholas's Day. And the tradition on St. Nicholas's Day is to dress up in the garb of a red bishop. Oh. Okay. And in that garb of the red bishop, um, gifts are left under the pillows of children. So a bit like a very flamboyant tooth fairy. Okay. Um, like you know and that's that's where that tradition comes in but that does um, constitute some elements of Father Christmas Father Winter as well um, the spirit of the north and pagan mythology is kind of infused in there as well they all get kind of horsed together lashed together and, and brought forward for the Christmas tradition we know today now as we understand it Michael that's all then Victorian shaping so the Victorians get mm. their hands on this and they're like well this is bloody good for commercialism hey hey, let's put it all together let's put it all together commission that man to write a big old poem there let's and we'll put create it all together, a tradition make a factory as well out of it. put people in the factory to work children even yeah look how happy the elves are when they work non-stop for no pay huh? don't yeah. you want to be mm. that happy mm, get in there yeah, let's get them in there get in there um, so the, the modern tradition is far more um, us but then the, the modern personality Michael is all Charles Dickens um, that, that old Charlie D the old Charlie D that kind of ghost of Christmas present was hugely influential on the kind of jolly jovial personality that we've we've come to know today Ah, um, and so that's that's where all that's kind of shaped from, Michael. But Michael, yes, it's twenty twenty. Yeah, things are a bit grim. Things are a bit grim, and to be honest with you, what with postmodernism being the dick that it is, um, and pissing in cornflakes of children being the norm for Or Kelly, uh, <clears throat> we've we've not let that happy image stay untarnished, shall we say, um. 
Over time, Michael, he became exceptionally commercialized by American companies who created the concept of Chris Kingle. Okay. Uh, Kingle or Kringle? Kringle. Chris Kringle. You're right. You're right. Sorry. Kringle or Kingle? Chris, Chris Kingle. Chris Kingle. Chris Kingle. Chris um, and Chris his Kindle. amazing vaginal rejuvenation workout. Um, oh, oh, good. No. Yeah. Don't like that one, Ben. That's one of my least favorite jokes. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I got you. Um, Keep going with it. Though. So anyway, um, Chris, Chris Kringle, or Chris Kindle, depending on who you talk to, um, is created and he becomes the kind of American mascot for Christmas. Buy stuff or your kids won't love you, etc., etc., etc. Um and so I suppose that left the sour taste in the mouth of a lot of people because then Christmas became less of a family thing and more of a very stressful time. If you take a look at those early ninety movies, nineties movies, Michael, there's a lot of pressure on parents to get the right gift. Everyone's always stressed out. Yeah, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger had a right old time of it. He's so stressed out he had to fight Sinbad. He had to fight Sinbad, and nobody wanted to yeah. fight Sinbad. At the time, the Home Alone family were so stressed out by Christmas they forgot Kevin. They forgot Kevin. That's no good. Yeah, um, yeah it's just Christmas films are about being stressed out. And that trend began to emerge in the nineties, and then I suppose pushing into the two thousands, we suddenly began to see the late nineties and the two thousands. We suddenly began to see Michael a bloody onslaught of kind of twisted Santas. Um, One because people went digging around in the mythology a little bit more, and they found other versions of Santa Claus, and they were like, oh. Oh, um, right one. So the most famous one now, I suppose, is Krampus. Um, yeah, he's a prick. Who is the the German kind of anti Santa? Um, and in some versions of the myth, uh, Santa punishes you by giving you a lump of coal. In other versions of the myth, he says, "Here, goat headed fella that looks like a demon's wet dream. Will you just go and put that kid in your sack there and drag him down to your workshop to make toys?" And oh no, that's much worse. And you go, oh, oh. And you start to think that maybe the man who reconstituted children from Pickle Brian and Krampus would have gotten on. Um, yeah, good, good mates. Similarly grim pairs. Uh, and those have kind of evolved into other things, Michael. There's uh, Black Peter, which is very racist. Um, ah, well, I mean, in, in, hold on a second. That's a that's a bit of a sweeping statement to just launch into there. Um, one. I, 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 I don't know enough about Black Peter to say it's definitely not racist, but I know that a lot of Dutch people would defend it as not racist. Yeah, that's cool. Um, All right. Some of, their, some of their depictions are... Um, to say that they're gollywoggish um, would not be a stretch, Michael. You can yes, take a look I there mean, yeah, as yeah, you're, yeah. you're going through. And while I'm all for tradition, Michael, some traditions should be modernized perhaps so as not to offend people as as we go forward but that's a whole different kettle of fish Michael we're here to talk that's about that's a very Bad different Santas. kettle of fish who's offended by Black Peter uh, assumedly black people uh, well let's ask some we'll uh, ask some and get back to you lads if anybody's out there and you're uh, a black person could you let us know if Black Peter the the, the Dutch kind of tradition um, and figure offends you that would be great we'd, yeah or don't let us know whatever whatever suits you we'll do an Instagram poll We'll do, an do an Instagram poll. poll. All right. Mm. All right. You're opening the can of worms there. That's my right. funeral. But, you know, let's, yeah. let's have a look um, as we go along. So, Michael, what I've done is I've kind of taken a look at, at how that kind of distaste for Christmas and that stressful Christmas has transformed into a new narrative. Um, and one of the things that seems to come up for these new St. Nicks is they're very anti-greed and they feel like humanity has lost its way. So when we see mm. a negative representation of Santa Claus, an angry Santa or a bad Santa, usually... 
they're very anti-humans because humans have become so damn greedy. Yeah, and they've forgotten the meaning of Christmas. And they've forgotten the meaning of Christmas. Which is buying stuff. Now, the first one on my list, Michael, is one chosen specifically for you and one Rachel. Um, I know her. Because it stars... The the original glamorous lady of podcasting. Yes, the original glamorous lady of podcasting. OG Glop. Um, She would be a fan of this because it stars one wrestling's own Goldberg. Goldberg, Ben. So, let me tell you about Goldberg, Ben. Goldberg is not beloved in the world of wrestling. Oh, good. Goldberg was a very stiff wrestler, Ben. And stiff is a wrestling term for... Uh, liable to hurt people Oh no He he, uh, he hits a bit too hard And he was dangerous oh. Not not beloved in the world of wrestling Goldberg Ben Very popular in the kind of uh, Casual world of wrestling uh, That'd, like, be, that'd can, be me then Yeah 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 um, But apparently yeah not, not beloved within the industry But apparently things improved later Anyway that's enough wrestling talk Ben Tell us about the film with Goldberg Well Michael he's not much beloved in this either Because in, in this particular version He's in a movie called Santa's Slay Now Michael Michael You yeah. and I love a bit of wordplay It's slay yeah. as in S-L-A-Y Oh not slage No Not slage As it would okay, be Okay yeah, that's be clever yeah. um, And Michael this is twisted right so in, in this version Santa Claus is a bit of a demon right and he lost a battle with an angel and as punishment for a thousand years this demon was forced to give presents to children oh, and he didn't want to and he never wanted to but in 2005 Michael when this movie yeah. was released uh, that, that deal is up and Santa rides again as a murderous kind of demon of the underworld Ooh. And uh, it's pretty interesting, Michael. It's pretty interesting. The uh, are we going to do spoilers? You want to do spoilers for? Yeah, us? you can do spoilers. Do so, spoilers for a two thousand five horror film. So the 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 main character's grandfather is the angel that once tricked Saint Nick. So his grandfather is the target of uh, this evil Santa played by Goldberg, and it's bizarre. Goldberg is having the best time. He is just enjoying being an absolute cock from start to finish. And it's bizarre, Michael. It's a very twisted version of Santa. And and, uh, does he have sleeveless shirts? Uh, He does at one point have a sleeveless Santa mock, yeah. Good, good. That's most important. (laughs) I think he has it for a quick scene as a little kind of, oh, oh, we know who we got. We know who's in the role. We know who's in the role. And yeah, so that brought me to that. But that's a very mythic representation, Michael. And um, I think that's when people delve around the mythology of it and they find them. And they're like, oh, look how evil this is. Because the other one that I had to take a look at um, this week, Michael, was Krampus. Oh. And Krampus is a, a full horror movie. The the Santa sleigh one is tongue-in-cheek. It's a little bit of banter. Um, it's kind of a B-movie, you know, knows what it's at kind of gig but my god Michael Krampus is the stuff of goddamn nightmares um, he's coming to get you Ben now for me Michael yeah it's very similar to Hereditary now it's it has Tony Collette in it so fair enough that might just be the association I'm making there um, so did Knives Out though Ben and you didn't keep saying that was similar to Hereditary it's true I didn't Michael and I'll tell you why I think they're very similar and why in some ways Krampus is a predecessor to Hereditary so in the world of Krampus there's a little boy there okay, always is and his family doesn't get on at Christmas um, they never do the aforementioned stress of Christmas is rampant within his household and he makes a wish 
on the bauble. He has an old German grandmother. They always, there's always one. A first generation immigrant. And she gives him an heirloom, a family heirloom, right? And the family heirloom is very different to the, the Christmas decorations that he normally sees. It's a carved wooden figure. And oh, he looks a bit terrifying. Yeah, I don't like the sound of that. Don't uh, give me that. And it's a bloody Krampus. And then Grandma, for some reason, decides to tell him the tale of Krampus. Um, and Krampus will take you away if you don't believe in the Christmas spirit. So the, she doesn't, Michael, conveniently include a little warning about making a wish on this ornament, which might come true. Um, so what does the little fella do? He says, oh, I wish my family would get along at Christmas. And what does oh. that invoke? Krampus. So Krampus appears, Michael. That seems like a fairly harmless wish, though, Ben. I know, but not to Krampus. Krampus is no, a very literal wish taker. Um, okay. And so the family is forced to kind of find the the Christmas spirit. Only, Michael, if they don't, uh, they're horrifically destroyed. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, it's pretty grim. It has a really twisted ending as well. Um, and I probably won't go into the ending on this one um, because it'll just spoil it. But go check that one out, guys, if you really want your Christmas spirit kind of... Just destroyed. Um, Dampened. It's it's dark. Like, the representation of Krampus is amazing as well. It's all practical effects. So, he's pretty darn spooky, Michael. Um, Benjamin. Yes. Speaking of Christmas time horrors and destroying the story of Santa Claus, yeah. have you ever seen the film Gremblins? Gremblins? Uh, Gremblins, Believe yeah. it or not, Michael, I have actually never seen... You've Gremblins. never seen the film Gremblins nope. by Christopher Christofferson? Nope. That's definitely not right. Never seen uh, it. You've never seen the film Gremlins, Ben? No. Well, let me tell you, Ben, Gremlins is probably the best Christmas horror comedy stress film you'll ever see. Go on, tell me more. Because it's about a boy and he gets a little pet, Ben, a little gizmo. Oh, gizmo. I know who gizmo And gizmo, if you get him wet or if he eats after midnight and so on, there's lots of rules you have to follow or else it makes loads of Gremlins. Oh, not Gremlins. Yeah, and they come out and they're absolute pricks and they start wrecking the place and killing everyone at Christmas time. Oh, no. But, Benjamin, the reason that I'm talking about this now is because we're talking about Santa and Stressful Christmas. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you a little story, Ben. Gremlins, the film Gremlins. Yes. Is the moment of my life that confirmed for me that Santa Claus wasn't real. Aww. Yeah. Because, Ben, in it, one of the main characters, Kate the Lady, tells the story about why she hates Christmas. Because she hates Christmas throughout the whole film. Right. And eventually it's revealed in this that um, one Christmas her dad was dressing up as Santa to come down the chimney and surprise them on Christmas Eve. Only he fell and broke his neck and died in the chimney pot. Jesus. And his body remained there for days with them having no idea where dad had gone at Christmas time. What the fuck? And they didn't notice until they tried to light a fire and all the smoke came back down. And they got it checked and there was dead dad dressed as Santa. Oh. And that's why the character of Kate hates Christmas and Santa Claus. I mean, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Childhood trauma and all. Yeah. Fucking hell, that's dark. Yeah, yeah. Very dark. And I uh, that has stayed with me, Ben, for what? I don't know when. How old was I when I saw that? Ten, I guess. Oh, and uh, yeah, I remember that Ben nearly thirty years later. 
God bless you. You all right? That's I'm fine. Harrowing. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. It wasn't my story. Remember that happened to the fictional character. I know, but that Jesus was just, Christ, so mean. Oh, it's so mean. It's so mean. <laughs> and a lot of people have a problem with it. It's like the meanest they moment should. in an already mean film. And you're like, oh, gross. Santa dead. Chimney dad. Gross. Horrible. I thought pickle brine children was the low point of my day. No, no, there's this, there's that story too. No, but she's a fictional character, so it's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, let's let's keep going then. Um, fucking hell. Um, that Krampus legend has influenced other things, Michael. Things that you love. Um, oh, I love stuff. There's bloody uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Santa Claus is mentioned in the most passing of moments by Anya in, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anya the Demon, Michael. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and she says, oh, no, no, Santa Claus is real. And like everybody's like, oh, what, really? And then she's like, yeah, 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 he disembowels children. It's a, it's a whole thing. He's a demon that comes down chimneys and disembowels children. And you're oh, like, no. oh, okay. I'll get rid of him. And so it became a bit of a, a skit in the, in the various shows um, that we kind of watch and consume these days that, that Santa is a lot more sinister than they'd have to believe. It kind of goes with that, oh, fairy tales are always darker trope that we encounter a yeah, lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and we, that's popped up he's popped up in Supernatural the, the pagan rituals I was rituals. just about to ask Ben <laughs> yeah so there are very early pagan rituals in um, in I think season one it might even be season one of Supernatural um, where there are two old pagan gods that have co-opted kind of American Christmas to fulfill their mm. ritual um, so they can be worshipped yeah, didn't they have to be killed with walnut or something? Uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's holly. I think they have to be killed with holly. Or, or I think that was season seven or eight. Ben, your your chronological memory of oh no, there's a, there's definitely an earlier supernatural one. Hang on, uh, is there? Uh, yeah, hang on, hang on. It doesn't matter. We'll look it up. Later. Doesn't matter. We we'll look Sorry. it up later. But that kind of little nod, we we get a, another little nod to Santa Claus's true identity later in season ten for a very supernatural Christmas where he's revealed to be kind of a distant relative to Archangels. Oh. Um, and he's kind of uh, a good or, or a bad thing, Michael. Um, and then, Michael, comes the super American commercial mall Santa. Yeah, go on. Um, and there must be an uncanny valley quality to this or there must be some kind of... A lot of people that write these must have unresolved issues with mall Santas. Yeah. Now, Michael, as you and I know, mall Santas are the the men who dress up as Santa Claus, sit in the mall and listen to children uh, whose parents have paid money for them to talk to Santa. Okay. Yes. What we, Now, we would call a mall a shopping centre. So, yeah, it's a shopping centre, Santa. J- just for the people listening. And I'll be honest, Michael, I never enjoyed that experience as a child. If you find those photographs of me sitting on Santa's lap, I'm crying in every one. I'd like to see that. Um, I will post it on the Instagram later. Uh, Very important. This week. Benjamin... Little side note here: When you were growing up, did you call him Santa or Santi? Santa, Santa. Yeah, it's a very you strict rule in this house. Millennial lunatics. Did you call him Santi? He was Santi in my house. Yes. 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 Um, anyway, the mall Santa becomes this, or the shopping centre Santi. The the shopping centre Santi becomes this yeah. sinister figure in modern kind of interpretations. So uh, the one that everybody points to is is um, Billy Bob Thornton in Bad Santa. Because that's about a bad Santa. And he's just... They're always washed up schlubs. Yeah, uh, it seems Even in Home thing. Alone, Ben. Even, Even in, in Home, Home Alone. Alone. 
he goes and he tries to meet a nice Santa and the Santa's like, oh, geez, kid, my elf gave all the candy canes to her boyfriend. Yeah, so they become this like embodiment of the cynicism of the season or something. It's bizarre. Mm. Um, but Michael, sometimes it's it's kind of harmless and you have your bad Santa for witty repartee and sometimes they make slasher films out of them. Um, so there was a famous slasher film in the 80s called Silent Night um, where a uh, mall Santa or shopping centre Santa kind of goes berserk yes. and murders people with Christmas goods. Shopping Centre Santi is the name of this episode, Ben. Uh, yeah, that's probably what we're going to call it now, Michael. That's that's fair Yay. enough. Um, but then, Michael, it all gets a bit darker when we look at even more modern representations like Happy on the Sci-Fi Channel. So haven't seen it, Ben. Uh, You're always going on about it, and I'm always saying, Ben, I'm not going to watch it. Stop recommending it to me. <laughs> we could Auntie M uh, wrote a comic book called Happy about a down-and-out detective Um who has to rescue the daughter he never knew he had from a sex sex trafficking operation um, run by a Santa. And yeah, it's as bad as it sounds. Um, So the Sci-Fi Channel picked this up, um, decided to pour acid all over it, the drug, not um, not the dangerous melty thing. Okay. And uh, it stars Christopher Melioni. It's absolutely balls to the wall mental. Um, but the main villain, the kind of, the, the creepiest thing, is a kind of, I suppose you'd call him a serial killer pedophile. Is that what you call him? Oh, great. Yeah, that's a good um, combination, yeah. isn't it? And he's obsessed with Christmas. So he dresses up as this big disheveled Santa Claus to lure children in. Oh, um, I don't like it. And then he lobotomizes them to keep them forever. No, I don't like that at all. Um, it's shocking. It's an inversion of the trope, and it's genuinely one of the worst things you will ever witness, Michael. Um, no, I don't want to see it. Yeah, no, you you wouldn't want to, and I don't blame you at all. I don't blame you at all. Um, and then, Michael, just to just to wrap us up, I suppose. Then we saw the kind of normalization of Santa, and oh. uh, so we've moved away from mythic figures and kind of. Uh, paragons for different things and then we see a very human Santa and that's emerged in the last couple of years the most common one for me Michael or the, the, the kind of formative one in my way of thinking this was Tim Allen's Santa Claus Tim the Toolman Taylor uh, yeah which I think has spawned what is it Th- three sequels three I think it's two sequels I think two it's sequels. Santa Claus the Santa Claus 2 uh, Go Kidnap a Wife and the Santa Claus 3 uh, Watch Out Here Comes Jack Frost yeah, watch out, here comes Martin Short. Um, yeah. yeah, and in that, Michael, it's the most 90s thing I could conjure. Um, I'm a business guy and I uh, don't believe in Christmas and uh, I'll never get I don't spend enough time with my kids. <laughs> oh. um, but What's the, the noise Tim Allen does? I don't, I don't, huh? Isn't it that? Yeah, that's that the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, was it. that was what I was going for. Um and yeah so it turns out that the Santa Claus is a legal clause oh very clever uh, very 90s so 90s peak 90s Michael everything is law um, and basically Santa can die but whoever kills Santa takes the mantle yeah great idea terrifying horror terrifying idea kill Santa become Santa very chronicles of Riddick Michael Mm. With a little bit of, I've just, I've now realised that all I want for Christmas is Vin Diesel as Santa Claus in that storyline. I'm not convinced that has never happened. Maybe it's an universe. I'm just going to look it up to make sure that the film doesn't exist already. You spin your wheels while I do that. But in that, Michael, it's it's kind of a very modern Santa in that we have a broken family. Um, 
in the form of Tim Allen. He's separated from his wife. He has Charlie, his son. Um, and Tim Allen doesn't want to be Santa Claus. Um, and over the course of the film, through very human means, he learns the true spirit of Christmas and bonding with oh, your good. son. Um, but this is where we begin to see that kind of human Santa. Santa's just a lad. Um, and that gets pretty interesting from there. But Michael, where this has reached a peak and what really gave me inspiration for this is Mel Gibson's recent outing, The Fat Man. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I have. Um, and it's just weird. So there's a Jewish kid. Yeah. And he doesn't like Santa because Santa doesn't deliver to Jewish kids. Yeah, that's racist, but go on. It's Mel Gibson. You're fairly certain that Jews were going to be the villain in one form or another. Oh, um, yeah. This is a Mel Gibson film about a Jewish kid. I have to see this. Yeah, you're going to have to watch this, Michael. So, uh, taking umbrage to this, the Jewish kid hires a hitman to take out Santa. Oh. Um, and that comes in the form of Walter Goggins. Um, noted character actor Walter Goggins. It's um, Walton. You know who he is? Or Walton Goggins. Walton, is it? Walton His Goggins. His name's Walton. I, yeah. I think I prefer Walter Goggins, but Walton Goggins I prefer is. him too, but he's much less famous. <laughs> he's much less famous. Uh, so Walton Goggins um, takes on the role and he kind of tracks down Santa and Santa finds himself in a kind of standoff with this assassin. But wait, it turns out yeah. Santa's a tough old son of a gun with a military background. Oh. So it's a real standoff. And this is the real Santa. Yeah, and Santa's kind of given up as well. He's jaded and tired and, oh man, it's a weird film, Michael. I, I strongly recommend you watch it. But again, not if you want your Christmas spirit kept intact. T- intact. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I don't know why my... my Where'd your tea go, Ben? I don't know. I was like... My mouth Where was it? Where'd it go? working. Look, Michael, it's the it. end of 2020. I'm tired too. Um... <laughs> So that's it for me, Michael. That's all I've got here. Um, I am leaving this conversation now with the image of a man stuffed up a chimney having died for his children. Yeah. Gross. Gross and horrible. One of the most gross and horrible Santas. The only weirder thing to that would be if they then pickled and brined him for memory's sake. Yeah, or sold him him to people as treats. Oh, God. God. Anyway, so that's that's the, the world of Santa Clauses and how cynical he's become. It's very, very strange. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. who did we miss? Who are your favourite bad Santas? Um, do get in touch with us in the following places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabyog.com S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com means tiny room in Irish. Or you can probably find us on the Instagram at shomrabyog. Uh, same spelling. Same meaning. Same bloody meaning. Uh, you can let us know what you think. If you have any episodes you'd like to hear us do in 2021, do give us them now. We will be doing a little uh, Instagram rally campaign at the beginning of the thing um, because Michael is running for President of Ireland this year and I need ideas for the podcast to fill up the calendar. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh- Beagle D for 2021. Yep, that's how it's going to go. And uh, yeah, I suppose the only other note that we'd like to end on this year, ladies and gentlemen, is the best Christmas gift you could give us is a review on whatever platform you enjoy this podcast on because it would really be helping us out. Um, We really appreciate you all sticking with us throughout the year and giving us content ideas and engaging with us. It's really made the year that little bit easier. Or sometimes more difficult. Or sometimes more difficult if you gave us a difficult one that had to go and research. Um, yeah, like when Ben had to watch horror films. Oh, God, that was the worst. Or Lex, when that you had to watch Lex. Worst. You weren't best pleased with that. 
No, Lex was terrible. That was your idea, not the listeners. Um, oh, I blame the listeners, Ben. Mm. If in doubt, blame the listeners. Yeah, when in doubt, blame the listeners. Uh, we'll get that on a t-shirt for 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it for us uh, this year. You will hear from us in the new year, where our first episode back will be the Mickeys. Um, the Mickey 2020. We're doing a retrospective. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> short. <laughs> where we take a look at the best and worst of 2020. Mostly the worst, because God almighty... I'll tell you what Ben We'll be doing this joke A few times But the worst of 2020 Was definitely 2020 <laughs> Ding Remember when it was Simple things Like bloody uh, What's the best film <laughs> And you know Who's the bad egg Of the year And it's yeah, Everyone this year <laughs> Yeah yeah. It's just life That lad in China Who ate that bat On a more genuine note Ladies and gentlemen We hope you have A good Christmas season And that you get to see The family That you want to see One household Don't forget one household No I think it's two Ben Don't give out Public health advice If it's wrong Okay wrong public advice All from me uh, But do have a good Christmas And hopefully you get to see The people that you want to see Over the Christmas period That's it from us Ladies and gentlemen Bye bye And a very Merry Christmas Merry Christmas